It's hey. that time of year again. Football is just a mere, what, 34 hours away from whenever we post this, I guess, or whenever we're going to post it on the site. But welcome back to the Lions 24-7 podcast, Appalachian State, right around the corner for the Nittany Lions, 3.30 on Big Ten Network. Uh, football's here, man. I mean, it's uh, it's it's been a long time. <laughs> It's been. Uh, it, it always feels like a, a slow, slow August when we get to the, what we're actually counting down the days and two weeks, one week. And the thing is, though, once the once the ground starts moving underneath your feet, like this game week, it flew by, and, and all of a sudden September flies by. So, gotta savor these games because uh, it, the season does does tend to be here and gone before you know it. Sometimes. Oh, it's so crazy when you think about it. We spend all year covering Penn State football. There's, you know, 12 regular season games, the potential for a Big Ten title game and a potential for two playoff games. So 15 games at most to cover an entire year. It's crazy when you think about it. I'm Sean Fitz. This is Tyler Donahue. Tyler calling in today. He's back in Jersey for for some family obligations. So you get him over Skype. So the audio is a little bit different. But uh, it's great to be back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. We're going to talk Penn State, App State. We're going to talk storylines coming out of this week, uh, a couple of scheduling notes that we're out a little bit of recruiting not much still the dead period but uh yeah there's a lot to to pack into the show today thank you for joining us we're going to jump right into it the biggest story of the week manny bowen uh we hardly knew ye once again uh dismissed after the regular season last year did not play in the fiesta bowl was back on media day now he is no longer a member of the program it's a story that broke on lines 24 7 this week uh it's it I mean, it's one of those things that was just you really weren't counting on Manny Bowen, especially in the first half of the season. Uh, He he says he's going to finish out his degree. I guess he'd be a grad transfer wherever he ends up next year. I think he's going to end up playing somewhere next year. But uh, just Penn State wasn't the spot for him. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. This was kind of the main story at the start of training camp, and then this was the main story at the start of the first game week and for opposite ends of the spectrum. And I think it was very clear, speaking with Cam Bowen during his media session on Tuesday, that that linebacker room really wasn't expecting Manny to factor in anytime soon. Uh, It didn't sound surprised, didn't sound like this really disrupted what they have going uh, with the linebackers. So for as much of a a headliner as it was, and as much as people were kind of assuming Manny Bowen would slip back into a role and after starting 21 games the last two seasons, very clear that there was a different uh, interpretation of the situation within the last building. Yes, I think so. I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, Manny Bowen, by the way, not dismissed from the team. I think that's important to note. Uh, he, yep. was, he was dismissed uh, you know, after the season last year, but he left on his own accord. Um, so you, know, you can get into reasons and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, on the field, I'm not sure how much of an impact it's going to have, uh, especially in the second half of the season, or excuse me, especially over the first half of the season. You were looking at him as a potential Mike. Um, but when we saw him, he was practicing at will. And right now they're pretty excited about uh, Micah Parsons there. Of course, Coe Farmer's the starter as well. So not sure we would have seen a ton of him at will. What does that do? I mean, just you've got Jan Johnson starting in the middle. He's backed up by Ellis Brooks, who's a redshirt freshman. Jesse Lucchetta as uh, a true freshman. So not a ton of depth and experience there. But, I mean, was Manny just sort of out of his element? I think that, that that's very possible. 
I think at the very least, I mean, at least based on early feedback, Manny Bowen was a great older guy in that room. We know there's younger players preparing for their first action in, in the Big Ten and in college in general. So you'd like to think they used him as a resource. But, um, you know, I, I, it's, it's going to be really interesting because Manny Bowen was a veteran. Koa Farmer's a veteran. Uh, Jan Johnson's played appeared in a lot of Penn State games. But Franklin on Tuesday at this first game week press conference says these young guys are pushing for those jobs. And it just doesn't sound like only because camp's done, these competitions are not done yet. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're going to see a lot of linebackers, especially this week against App State. Uh, Parsons is going to be out there. Brooks is going to be out there. Jarvis Miller, we're going to get probably our first extended look at him. So excited to see that. So I think that it goes back to with the defense is you don't have a ton of experience. You're, you're replacing a ton of starters. But at the same time, there's there's so much talent out there and there's a there's a lot of speed to work with. So I think they're, they're going to find those pieces. I'm not sure if those pieces are the guys on, at the depth chart, uh, excuse me, on the top of the depth chart right now, which came out earlier this week. But I think they're going to be able to find it and, they, and they've got a good chance to ease into it. App State's a quality Sunbelt team, but Penn State should be OK. Pitt next week, uh, Kent State the week after that. So Gives yourself a little bit of time to, to work into it in some different situations. Uh, one guy that was not on that depth chart, Shane Simmons. Uh, we, we've known since, uh, I think, photo day. He was he was on crutches, uh, banged up with the, the, the foot ankle. Um, yeah, I, mean, I don't think you're going to see Shane Simmons uh, very soon. He wasn't at practice yesterday uh, when we were out there. And that, that kind of leaves a hole for Penn State. I mean, defensive end, you came in thinking that this was probably the most talented spot on the on the, on the the roster. But Ryan Buckholz is gone. Torrance Brown is gone. We didn't expect Torrance Brown to play anyway. But now Shane Simmons is gone. That puts a lot of pressure um, not only on the starters, which are going to be uh, Sharif Miller and Yitor Gross Matos, but also guys like Daniel Joseph, true freshmen like uh, Nick Tarbert and Jason Awe. And, of course, Shaka Tony's been banged up as well. So defensive te- – excuse me, defensive end went from, you know – a probably as strong as strong as it was on that defense to uh to to a legitimate question mark yeah and still we continue to hear from from james franklin that this is the probably the best defensive end group he's been around at the college level so um you know he likes what he sees from that group i think what when i look at it uh, we've talked about for a while how a red, at least one of these redshirt sophomores was going to have to step up early in September and, and be able to carry their weight in that rotation, I think there's a lot of eyes on Daniel Joseph and what he's going to be able to accomplish early. Um, Itor Grossmatos, uh, you know, you got to hope he's ready for these expanded reps. It certainly sounds like he's checking off a lot of boxes, but I think the best thing about this defensive end group is that you think you have an extremely dependable guy in Sharif Miller where – things are only going to go up for him and you know what the floor is and the floor is pretty special yeah absolutely uh gross matos i think is is in line for a productive year i don't know that he's going to be the break i think miller is going to be the guy that probably has the the big numbers and of course shaka tony can get to the quarterback as well but i think gross matos probably will round out into a more complete player this year than we've seen he played as a true freshman last year Seven green lights currently for for James Franklin. Uh, he said on Tuesday, uh, Micah Parsons, Jesse Lucetta, of course, Ricky Slade, Pat Fryermuth, uh, PJ Mustafer, and then a couple kickers as well. Um, so a lot of true freshmen going to be playing, and that's even you know I, I think that's aside from the new rule. I mean, these are guys that probably would have played if it were if, if the new rule was not new effect uh, this season. Yeah, and and you know he really quickly went to that number seven. Uh, two of them being kickers, Jake Pinnegar, uh going to be using taking care of field goal opportunities and then uh, Rafael Checa on kickoffs. But I think when you look at this front seven, P.J. Mustafer, Jesse Lucetta, 
Micah Parsons, all those guys have the ability to pop off and, and have some really impressive wow moments, I think, as freshmen. And then Ricky Slade, uh, it just it's becoming a very steady pattern of coaches speaking about Slade, players speaking about Slade. He starts at number three on the running back depth chart. James Franklin uh, seemed to indicate that he'd be ready to make a move by midseason. Don't know what exactly that means, um, but it's very clear that Ricky Slade's going to have a role within this offense. Yeah, absolutely. And there's guys that can join him. Obviously, w- w- with the new red shirt rules, you can play in four games this year and not lose that red shirt. Going to be very, very valuable. But you've got other guys that are sort of auditioning to be green lights right now in the early stages. Uh, James Franklin said that they're going to play in a couple of non-conference games and then save them for maybe, maybe later in the year. Jahan Dotson's a guy that's drawn a lot of praise in camp so far. That's uh, that's a guy that you look to is probably going out there and you know, he's, he's done some great things. He was the touchdown king or whatever they wanted to say this week. But, uh, you know, he's still about, what, 165, 170 pounds, something. He's very light. So does he go out there and disappear in games? I think that's probably what they're going to try and figure out. Can you put him out there against App State, against Kent State, maybe a pit, and see if he can make that same kind of impact he's made in camp? Or do, do, does he sort of uh, fall back into the shadows? And with a guy that size, you, you really never know. I mean, you think about Brandon Polk. He played right away as a freshman. And, and really just kind of, uh, I wouldn't say regress, but sort of just took a step back from some of those other guys. So, And he was a little guy coming in. So that's probably a situation where this new rule is really going to benefit someone like Jahan Dotson because if he's not ready, there's no harm, no harm, no foul. So um, Daniel George was right there right, as well. Justin Shorter, we expect to see at some point. He's dinged right now. He's, he hasn't been practicing the last couple of weeks. And then I, I look at the two defensive ends. We mentioned it a little bit earlier, Jason Alway, Nick Tarburton. With the situation at defensive end with the injuries, I don't see how there's any way they're not going to see the field early in the season. And if they're ready to go, and, and we talked about that high, excuse me, that uh, that high floor with Nick Tarbert, the guy that can come in and play football. You know, he's he's naturally a linebacker. He moved to defensive end, but he was here for the spring, so you can get some quality reps out of him. I would not be surprised to not see him redshirt this year. I, I think ultimately, we'll probably see the total of guys who get that green light climb into the double digits I I just I get that sense I think probably two of these true freshman wide receivers will have an opportunity to to earn roles in rotation I think there's a lot of excitement for when Justin Shorter is ready to roll and John Dotson has made that great impression as you referenced Uh, I think it's gonna be really interesting with Tarburton and away because both of them don't have a long track record at defensive end it's still a position that Jason is learning Nick transitioned over there from linebacker in the spring practice so uh, if either one of those guys can really get a head start on, on their development and prove that they're capable in, in games, I think that would be a major boost for Sean Spencer developing that rotation. Absolutely. Not a lot of uh, defensive ends on the roster either, so that's going to play into that as well. Getting into App State week now, um, I mean, the game is obviously, it's one that you think about when you think about App State, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? That 2007 upset of Michigan, which obviously Penn State fans love. Um, but, I mean, it was uh, it, it's a program that's going to be synonymous with that upset forever. James Franklin was talking to his team after practice on Wednesday night, and I don't think he was directly referencing that, but he's saying, hey, anybody can beat anybody. Um, I, I don't think this App State team is going to beat Penn State uh, just based off of some of the stuff they bring back uh, you know, or they don't bring back from last year. They had a very talented team last year. But 
I mean, it, it, it's, it's the message. I mean, this is a team that it, if you're playoff bound or you have those playoff aspirations, you slip up once in a game like this, you're toast. So um, I think that's – I have written down here, don't think about the Michigan upset, but also think about the Michigan upset. Not sure that makes any sense whatsoever. But at the same time, I don't think, I don't think you can overlook that. Yeah, I think it was pretty funny, you know, throughout the week, bringing it up to players. And a lot of these guys are like, uh, yeah, I kind of know. I was in fourth grade, so, you know, it doesn't have much of an impact on my life. But the point being is it wasn't just a one-time deal. That was the most famous instance because they were still in the FCS. But, you know, look at their ability to go on the road the last couple of years. Uh, SEC environments, playing at Georgia, a team that would win the SEC, and playing them pretty tough, especially during that first half. And then two years ago, they really had Tennessee on their toes. They easily could have won the game in Knoxville. Um, now, I think Penn State, where they are right now, is in a much better position than Tennessee was two seasons ago. Uh, but it certainly is a team that they're more than an upset special. They are a conference championship contender. They are 36-9 and in their past 45 games. Uh, that's not by accident. So, you know, Appalachian State... I think they're they're a notch above Akron. I would certainly put it that way. And Ben Penn State's not going to need to come out and 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 look sharp early. Otherwise, they risk going into the third, maybe early in the fourth quarter, where you got the game in the balance. And I don't think that's where they want to be here in week one. No doubt about it. I think when you talk in App State, you start at, at Jalen Moore, um, really really good running back, a fantastic athlete. Wasn't completely healthy last year. Still a really productive year last year. But I mean, that's got to be the centerpiece of this attack. Uh, App State is going to be a run heavy team anyway of course you know they're they're replacing a couple of linemen they've got a new quarterback so i think that you know you're going to see a lot of running um is is one of those situations probably where you're trying to keep the clock rolling keep the scoring down and and maybe anything can happen but but jalen moore is, is probably a he might be an nfl kid a legitimate player yeah, Franklin invested a lot of time throwing, uh, you know, a lot of love in his direction early this week. I heard similar things from Garrett Taylor, first year starting safety for Penn State this year. He actually compared him to Ak- Akram Wadley, uh, obviously a very proficient, successful uh, running back for Iowa. Um, now in the NFL, and, and so he, he, they have a lot of respect for what this kid brings, and I think when you're playing at Penn State right now on the road in this situation, and we'll get to it in a second, with a very inexperienced quarterback, you're going to lean on that run game, and this is a guy they're going to try to test those new linebackers, tr- test the integrity of this defensive line that has new faces for Penn State, and, and this is a good battering ram for them to do that testing with. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, two very good offensive linemen. Um, they, they're also replacing a couple of guys that are in the NFL right now. Um, new right tackle, and I think that's the thing to, to look at when you're talking about game matchups. Sharif Miller's probably going to get this new right tackle, and that's obviously a good matchup for Penn State. So I expect Penn State to to play a lot near the line of scrimmage, to to stop the run, to run blitz, to uh, to send guys like Micah Parsons at the quarterback. I think there's going to be a lot of pressure um, on that App State offensive line because that's a that's a tough spot. I think. Uh, two new starters or possibly possibly even three new starters on that offensive line. So there's going to be a lot thrown at them. Uh, new quarterback, 10 career passing attempts, first start in Beaver Stadium. That, that's a tough draw right there. Yeah, Taylor Lamb may go on to have a great career with the Mountaineers, but as of right now, very limited track record. He's replacing a, a very productive uh, – I'm sorry, Taylor Lamb is out of the picture. I should say Zach Thomas may go on to have a great career. Uh, but with Thomas, in my opinion, I think four games as a redshirt freshman last year, this is a tough task to ask of your 
day, you know, first time starter to go on the road at Beaver Stadium. He may get comfortable, but I just don't see it being a comfortable situation. You know, the fans are going to be rowdy, but more importantly, I think Penn State's going to be able to apply a lot of pressure. You mentioned the right tackle. I think this is the kind of situation as well where Micah Parsons could make that big impression, start things off by getting after the quarterback. We've seen him look pretty good in that regard in practice. Uh, so I do believe that, that we're going to see Penn State look to really shake up young Mr. Thomas early in this game and kind of take his heart out as best they can uh, before he finds a rhythm. Yeah, I'm not sure this App State team is built to, to come back from, from a large deficit. They, they haven't, I mean, they haven't shown they can throw the ball. They've got some speed on the edge. They've had some productive wideouts coming back, but, but the end of, at the end of the day, this is a running team. This is a team that's going to try and establish the run, which I think is a good thing if you're Penn State. I mean, you're trying to figure out what you have up the middle of that defense with those tackles and, and, and your linebackers, so I expect a lot of the, the base looks probably going to see a good bit of Jan Johnson out there which you know won't always be the case this season um, but yeah I, I mean it, I think it's a good matchup for Penn State to start defensively uh, Myquan Stout right in the middle he's a he's a nose guard with probably the best possible last name you could have for a nose guard um, yeah he should give Michael Mennett a pretty good first test um, they're replacing a couple linebackers Anthony Flory's the guy to know there middle linebacker was an all Sun Belt guy last year and uh, I think the key here is is for Trace McSorley and for Miles Sanders to attack the new outside linebackers um, they, they've got some speed and athleticism out there but you're gonna have to make these guys think yeah make them run through the mesh point uh, to just sort of commit to the quarterback or the or the running back, and I think Penn State should be able to pick up some big plays uh, through the running game this week. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously Penn State's going to have a, a major edge in quarterback experience here with McSorley, and you just expect him with his relationship with Ricky Ronnie dating back to his high school days. There should not be much room for, for confusion heading into this opener. I just ha- I just do have to wonder, there's a lot of respect for Appalachian secondary. They did lose their defensive coordinator, but that was an internal promotion, so you have to think there's some stability in, in that sense in the correlation between coaches and, and players. But in, in my opinion, if McSorley is who we think he's going to be this season, he's going to be surgical. And I just think this, this Appalachian State team isn't going to have the size, athletic, on the perimeter especially, to be able to contend with that. Yeah, they play a 3-4, by the way. So that's that will give Penn State a chance to see some multiple fronts um, to, to sort of practice against something or, excuse me, play against something different than they see in practice all week. So um, I think that that'll be the key. A couple of good corners. They've got some experience in the secondary. Penn State, uh, I think, will still have an opportunity to, um, you know, I think I could see App State sitting back and trying not to let the big play get through. And I think Penn State could, could really make some uh, or do some damage in the short to intermediate passing game as well. Um, I think that's probably all we're going to do with App State. Uh, we'll get to some predictions later. Uh, as far as news coming, I mean, no news is good news, but there's scheduling news. I mean, so that's something. Uh, Penn State on Thursday morning, I believe, uh, released four future non-conference home games. And I think the thing to remember here is the scheduling strategy. You're scheduling for the playoff. They, they've got, in in these particular years, they've got Auburn, they've got Virginia Tech, they've got West Virginia. Of course, uh, you know, we had on 24-7 Sports last week that they're also in talks with Texas, but that's in the 2030s, if you can believe that. Um, but you, you get Temple for a home-and-home. Home. You get Villanova twice at home, Delaware twice at home, and, and Central Michigan once at home. I, I think the the thing that's going to come out here and the that are people are going to be most upset about is that home and home against Temple. Um, you're sort of you know just giving away a game right there. That uh, you know could that be Pitt? Could that be somebody else? 
should you get more than a one for one than Temple? Probably that's what they've done in the past. But I mean, it's just a. It, I, I don't. I don't completely get it. I like them playing Temple. I've always said that, but one for one is just the the head scratcher there. Sure, sure. I mean, I, I guess the way you look at this, uh, you know, from beyond the game itself standpoint is, you know, Penn State's always going to want to expand their brand and in Philadelphia and that market and, you know, Villanova, Temple, you tap into that a little bit. Obviously, I don't think either of those teams are going to really shine a spotlight on Penn State that they didn't already have. Uh, but I look at the 2021, Sean, and, and, and I know this is, you know, three years off in the distance now. But you start at Wisconsin, you've got Ball State at home, you've got Auburn at home, and then you've got Villanova at home. For people saying, why are we playing Villanova, you've got Wisconsin and Auburn in those first three games already. Do you really want to add potentially another Power 5 out-of-conference matchup there? Um, it's tricky, and people are always going to wonder, well, why is Penn State playing down to this level, or why are they not playing another Power 5 team? Um, it's important to remember that the end game here is to put the path together to get to the college football playoff, we're starting year by year to understand maybe how to construct that path and some interesting announcements coming out of Penn State today. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, that Wisconsin game to open the season, Labor Day in Madison, I can't wait for that one. Uh, it's going to be great. Um, but, uh, I mean, if you look at to, what's the reward in, you know, scheduling another team, you know, say scheduling a pit, say scheduling a, a North Carolina or something like that, what would be the reward for that when you've already got Auburn or Virginia Tech or something on the schedule? I just I don't see it. I mean, you need wins to get in the playoff, and this is this is unfortunately you know it's it's not always fair, but this is how you get your wins. So uh, scheduling is fun to argue about and such, but we'll, we'll get there. They'll eventually you know be close to selling out those games no matter what. So we'll see. Getting back to uh, getting back to Penn State football on the field, uh, we're going to wrap up the preseason here. Look back at the position battles that we had. going Going into the preseason, uh, there was a handful of them, no doubt about it. Some probably uh, some some good battles down the depth chart as well. I'm going to start with Chaz Wright. Um, I, I expect him to be the starter. They they had the OR, um, which obviously is is a big big depth chart, uh, very popular depth chart uh, denotation there. But uh, Chaz Wright or Will Fries at right tackle, I'm expecting Chaz Wright to start. I think it's a it's a credit to him. I think Fries was a guy that had a lot of momentum coming out of the summer, and you know Wright, if this continues to go the way that we think it does has, has fought him off so I think that's um, you know to, to get that in order um, you know he wasn't very good at sometimes last year but you know Chaz Wright stepped up and, and held on to his position yeah and, I, and I've got to say you know two months ago I probably would have anticipated Will Fries is the one out there with Same, the one yeah. against Appalachian State but credit to Chaz Wright this is you know it, this is it for him at the college level so I know he wants to make the most of it I think it's huge, though, if, you're, if Will Fries is going to be your sixth guy going into the season, you got to have a lot of comfort there. He played, he started at three different positions last year along the offensive line, and that in its own right is a luxury because, let's face it, someone's going to get injured. Might not happen this Saturday, but one of these Saturdays, they're going to need someone to come off the bench, play some offensive line for them. Uh, I don't anticipate Will Fries is just going to give up on that right tackle spot anytime soon. We'll see, if, uh, you know, how they handle reps there. If they're going to maybe try to distribute that, I don't think they will. But um, you know, I, I think it is interesting that Chaz Wright was able to hold off Rise, especially for what he did. You know, as a retro freshman last season. Yeah, and if you score a lot of points, I think you see both of those guys, no doubt about it. KJ Hamler um, stepping up that third receiver spot was a guy that, or excuse me, a position that we thought Justin Shorter could win on the outside. He of course got dinged up. I think that changed some things, moved DeAndre Tompkins, who's been inside and out, back to a more um, you know traditional outside receiver at the Z spot. Um, Hamler, we've we've seen him in practice a bunch. I mean, 
mean, the kids, uh, the kids got some spark to him. Really looking forward, probably among all the redshirt freshmen, probably looking forward to seeing him playing more than anyone in that class uh, this Saturday. He just radiates on the football field. He's been like that since his high school days. Just the guy that's electric to speak with and electric to watch play the game. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of anticipation for him to carry over all this momentum. He's a kid who talks the talk. He's walked the walk so far on the practice field for Penn State. You get the sense that they can't wait to really unleash him and, and let him go play play against some opponents here during the 2018 season. I think that slot position in general is a really nice spot for strength with Penn State. I think Mac Hippenhammer can handle his own there. I think Jahan Dotson can handle his own there. We already know DeAndre Tompkins is pretty lethal there. So I think all in all, if you got to shuffle things up, that should be a, a strong spot on the football field throughout the season. Yeah, and Tompkins started camp you know, on the inside. And you, you had Hamler, you had Polk, you had Hippenhammer playing some outside as well. So you've got some options there. I mean, you, it's, it's, I don't think it's a situation where he's pigeonholed into playing just one position, but you can move some of those guys around, um, you know, create some matchups and, and and I think they'll be fine Re- again really excited to see what Hamler can do beside them uh, tight end I think that they've pretty much settled on John Holland or Danny Dalton um, to split reps uh, we'll see about Nick Bowers we haven't seen a ton of him in the preseason Pat, Pat Fryermuth will play as well but I think you're going to see most of the snaps go to Holland or Dalton they threw to Dalton a ton when we were at uh, practice on Wednesday night Dalton has just been the guy who has always been available, and that's been a big part of, of why he's been able to, to rise up the depth chart and stake claim to at least part of this starting spot or, or a, a big role in the rotation. And, um, yeah, he got a bunch of, of, of targets in practice the other day. And, and speaking with Jonathan Holland earlier this week during the media session, he knows what's at stake. He knows that it's been four years on campus. There's been bright moments like the blue-white game in 2017 where I think he had eight receptions. And then last year he had three catches all season. So, I think he knows it's time to, to put up and become a big a big facet of this Penn State passing game. He's developed as a blocker, according to the staff. Um, so that's all going to need to shine through. But I think what we do know about tight end is they're going to be working in a few different guys. Pat Fryermuth is definitely going to be part of the equation as a green light freshman. So uh, he'll have his opportunity as well. And, and you know, I think it's just it's really hard to get a read on who we're going to see out there and how many snaps they're going to get. We talked about this before. Mike Kosicki was a rep monster at the position. So, again, uh, how do they manage those? And, and do they let guys get in a rhythm? Or is it on a set rotation? A lot of questions to be answered at tight end. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think that one's done. I don't think that one's close to done. Uh, you say Holland may have won the position. Well, I, I, I don't buy that right now. Dalton's right there. If Bowers gets healthy, James Franklin said they've seen some good things from him. But, you know, how much can he practice? How much can he play? And then Friar Muth as well. I think one thing that, that, that I've noticed when, we're, when we go to these practices, more two tight ends sets which really doesn't make a ton of sense when you talk about the question marks that they have there but when they went to two tight ends last year um usually Gasicki and and Tom Pankos were in there was not effective whatsoever so interested to see how that takes uh takes shape this season if they go go to that more in the uh in the red zone but moving on to the defensive side of the ball of course uh you know the line looks pretty set um there's obviously some question marks there um with health and things like that but the line looks pretty set the linebackers pretty much what we expected on the depth chart coming in you got koa farmer starting at the will jan johnson starting at the mic cam brown starting at the uh at the sam but they've got some young guys behind them i think we'll see a bunch of those guys but the last position that was sort of i think we expected to be up for grabs with that other safety spot the 
beside Nick Scott. Garrett Taylor looks to be the guy there, though I think we see a lot of Lamont Wade as well. Um, I think that's one of those positions where they're going to, you know, for the first three or four weeks of the season, they're going to go out there and see what they have. They're going to give guys series to work with. And, I, you know, this I think it's one of those situations where that job is still up for grabs. I think that it's all about trust at the safety spot and with Coach Banks and who he really feels like is not going to let him down in a big moment. And let's face it, um, Garrett Taylor is going to have to go prove it all over again. He proved it in the spring practice. He proved it this month during camp. Uh, he was in the right place at the right time where he was supposed to be on the football field making those plays. Now he's got to do it in live action as a starter, getting starters reps. And, and he's going to have you know a guy like Lamont Wade nipping at his heels who's going to get out there and get time as well. Um, so, again, I think much like safety, linebacker, tight end, what we see from this starting lineup September 1st may look different that final Saturday in September when Ohio State comes to town. Uh, but Garrett Taylor sounding like an extremely confident player this week and a guy who is ready for this moment. Yeah, he's probably the most forgotten top 100 recruit on the roster um, when you think about it. I mean, obviously there's, there's other guys that haven't panned out, but uh, Garrett Taylor came in hurt. Obviously he had to, to get back up to speed. and It took him a while and made the change from corner to safety. But you really, I mean, when you're going over it in your head, that, that's a guy that you often forget about. So excited to see him out there, excited to see what he can do. Um, and, and we're excited to see a lot of things. We're going to go into our next segment here, what we're, what we're watching closely this week, what we're excited about, um, what we have big questions about. My number one is the kicking game. you got Jake Pinnegar kicking field goals. Raf Cheka is kicking off. Uh, I think they feel pretty decent about where they stand right now, but you know, you know how it goes. I mean, with kickers, until you get them in the game, you're really not sure what you have. You've got a couple of strong legs there. You've got some some high school pedigree. Uh, Pinnegar had a very good high school career in Iowa. Cheka was a all-WCAC pick at, at St. John's College. So you've got a couple accomplished high school kickers, but you throw them out there. You're not sure what you're going to get. And the interesting thing is the other layers involved here, which is coaching strategy and, and being on the same page with your quarterback. And, you know, James Franklin and his staff need to decide where is the limit this week? Uh, unless we need a game winning field goal as time expires, if it's just over the course of a game, where are we comfortable with putting Jake Pinnegar out there? Uh, one, we don't want to shatter his experience is what you're thinking or his, his, uh, his confidence if, if you're the staff. And two, um, you also, you know, you want to make sure that, that he knows that you do believe in him. So you want to establish those parameters before the game. Let Jake know, Hey, if, if the ball's here, we're going to punt. Trace, if the ball's here and it's fourth and five or less, we're going to go for it. And I think that's something they're working through. Was interesting though, uh, in, in practice on Wednesday night, Sean, we talked about this. Uh, got a little bit of clarity on, on the range for these guys. Jake Pinnegar, they're saying about 55 is their comfort level with him, um, which I'm assuming that's more in the game-winning situation than it would be if it was 14 nothing Penn right, State right. in quarter. And then the interesting thing here, number two kicker, Vlad Hilling, another true freshman, he might be the long bomb guy. 57 is the range where they like him right now. Yeah, I believe he kicked a 57-yarder in the big 33 game, so I'm not sure if that's where that number is coming from. But, I mean, all three of those guys can bomb it, man. I mean, the, Blake Gillikin was saying uh, earlier in the preseason that they just, they, they've got some live legs. So, interested to see what happen, Excuse me, what can happen. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious if Penn State has the ball at the end of the first half. Maybe they're in the... 35 40 something like that if you give one of those kids a run out there just to just to see what he can do um you know i i I'm really looking forward to seeing these guys and basically how far they can kick it because you know it's you know accuracy is is one thing but man if you've got a leg that can hit you a 55 yard field goal 
even if you know you're not con- completely consistent, that's a weapon. So um, interested to see where these guys go. Um, there, there are a couple of freshmen. Another thing we're interested to see uh, the snaps for the freshmen. Obviously, the the redshirt rule really helps them out this uh, excuse me this week and then probably in week three against Kent State. But I think we're going to see a lot of freshmen out there, provided the situation is right. Ricky Slade is somebody that I could see getting two touches and putting a lot of yards up with those two. To- I mean, I'm just so in- in- intrigued by what Ricky Slade can do on the field at Beaver Stadium, you know, whether it's uh, as a receiver or whether it's just, you know, get an opportunity to find a gap and hit it. I just think with him, he can do so much damage from anywhere on the football field. And he's somebody who could really quickly thrust himself into the spotlight. I think people who follow this team very closely are aware of him because he was such a top-ranked recruit. But the casual fan who's just kind of you know plugging back in for this season may not know Ricky Slade. I think he has a chance to really change that narrative right away against Appalachian State as a freshman, first college game. And then obviously we're both going to be looking very closely at the linebacker position when they're in there. Jesse Lucetta, Micah Parsons, again, both of those guys still pushing uh, for more expanded roles, maybe starting roles as freshmen. It's certainly Micah Parsons. Um, so I think they're both going to have opportunities for extensive snaps. And the way Franklin phrased it, he said the ones and the twos may have the pretty much the same amount of reps at linebacker, at least early on. So uh, get ready for a heavy dose of, of Micah Parsons and giving the people what they want. Yeah, absolutely. I think probably the one that I'm kind of interested in after Wednesday is Rasheed Walker. I mean, he's going to, you know, I, I don't think there's any question he's going to redshirt. There's there's a lot of guys that tackle in front of him, but he split second team reps with uh, with Des Holmes on the game field um, against against the scout team. He wasn't on the scout team himself when guys like Alex Gellerstead and uh, excuse me Sterling Jenkins were over there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, is, is he going to play? I, like I said, I still think he's a redshirt all the way, but you can get him out there. You can see what he has. You can get his feet wet, get him in Beaver Stadium, get to that uh, atmosphere and all that kind of stuff and I think uh, you you might see what you have pretty early in his career on the other side of the ball uh, that defensive line we mentioned not a ton of questions in terms of personnel but there's injuries there there's uh, there's other things you know that uh, that will keep you know popping up there so I, I've got questions about the young defensive tackles how do guys like Fred Hansard Antonio Shelton um, who's really not a young guy anymore but Ellison Jordan Maybe even Damian Barber or what, or and, and PJ Mustafer as well. So, what are those gonna, guys going to do? I think we see a bunch of those guys on Saturday, um, and I think it's going to be an opportunity for them to sort of win a spot in a rotation. Um, so, I'm I'm curious what we see up front from Penn State. Yeah, and PJ Mustafer is the name that keeps surfacing as as someone who's going to make a major impact on the interior for defense. And and knowing PJ and, and his maturity. And his mental aptitude, again, I think he's someone who could go in here and be prepared for this moment. Um, really going to be watching him closely as well. And, and kind of, you know, the counterpart to Rasheed Walker on defense, to me, because they're both athletically special, but maybe we're not expecting too many games out of them this year, Jason Away. Um, if he's able to go out there and just, you know, send him after the quarterback a few plays, I'm really going to be curious because, again, this is a guy who's just starting to put it together last year and, and he was pretty special last year as a senior at Blair Academy in New Jersey. I think he had 11 sacks in five games. So his ability to chase down and, and, and crash the pocket, I'm just going to be 
that's something I'll be watching. Even if it's 55 seconds to go and the game's been decided and no one's really watching, if he's on the field, I'm going to be pretty much glued on Jason Away. Yeah, you give him the Shaka treatment that they gave uh, Tony last year or two years ago when he could just, excuse me, I guess it was just last year, where he can just go after the quarterback. And that's really all you need. Um, he's a special athlete. He's a developmental football guy. Um, but I'm excited. You mentioned Ricky Slade maybe having two touches and 80 yards or whatever. Always probably got that same sort of impact on the other side where if he plays a couple snaps but could still make some things happen and interested to see that um beyond that i we talked a little bit about the safeties um these guys can't get beat over time i mean you can't uh, you don't want to I, I don't think you want to be too careful in, in in the sense that you don't mess up, but at the same time, you can't get beat over top by FCS receivers. Uh, so Garrett Taylor, Aaron Monroe, Lamont Wade, of course, Nick Scott. I mean, we talk about Nick Scott like he's an established veteran starter or whatnot, but you know, this is going to be his his first time seeing that extensive action. So a lot of questions with safety, um, but yeah, you can't uh, can't let anybody beat you deep because this App State team they they do have some speed, and we know how meticulous. Um that John Reed is about his approach and he's had an entire year now to redefine everything that he doesn't like about his, his himself. And he's worked on every little element of his game clearly is excited to get back out there. So I think just from a general standpoint of seeing Reed back in action in some different roles, the versatility he brings to that defensive backfield, um, you know, just excited to see him out there competing again because he was really fun to watch as a sophomore. Absolutely. Since you mentioned corners, we'll bring up Donovan Johnson real real quickly. Um, another one of those redshirt freshmen we're looking forward to seeing. He was, uh, I, believe, I believe he's the fourth corner right now, the second star behind Reed. So you'll see him in a little bit of a nickel sort of situation there. Um, see him on special teams as well so um, I'm excited to see Hamler I'm excited to see Donovan Johnson and for Michigan and Michigan State to let those two guys get away I think it's going to really benefit Penn State in the next couple of years because that's a couple of really good football players right there and let me add another to what we're watching closely we're uh, watching everything uh, closely yeah we're watching pretty yeah we're watching everything very closely but Sean Clifford I, I gotta say it's going to be his it should be his first chance to, to play in front of the Beaver Stadium crowd in a live action game um, so I'm, I'm definitely going to want to know if he can you know, validate some of the excitement. The thing there is, of course, if he's in the game and Penn State's up comfortably, probably not going to have a ton of opportunities, though. We saw Tommy Stevens do some special things when, when games were out of reach last year in that number two role. So if it is Clifford taking on the number two, we'll see where Tommy Stevens stands. Uh, but I think he's got a nice opportunity here to to further build that trust and the confidence that he is the the young man uh, and the next man up at, at quarterback for this team. Yeah, and and I think they'll let him throw too. I mean, I, I don't think that they're going to come out and you know go go three throws and out or whatnot. But I think they're they're going to give him the opportunity to throw. Um, so excited to see him. Excited to see some of the other young guys as well. Um, Cam Sullivan Brown was number two on the depth chart. Des Holmes is a guy that we're looking forward to seeing as well. Mike Miranda, of course, came on strong right away, but we haven't seen much of him and cj thorpe on the inside so a bunch of young talent on this team a bunch of old talent on this team as well so pretty pretty talented from top to bottom <laughs> gonna and get back when, and when you redshirt what 18 out of 21 freshmen last year without that new redshirt role this is a big moment for a lot of them um, we're gonna see a ton of players on the field for the first time at beaver stadium the redshirt freshman the true freshman and it's really going to be the, the start of a youth movement that i think could push Penn State towards more continued success if these guys pan out. Yeah, that participation report on Saturday is going to be pretty crazy. But uh, 
getting back into recruiting, I mean, just not much to talk about right now. It's the, still the dead period, which it was last time we had our we got together to record the podcast. I mean, there's not a ton going on. the The weekend this weekend is very small in terms of visitors. Uh, I mean, I can't. I, I texted you earlier. I said I can't even make a, a slideshow out of this, and I'm sure everyone's torn up about that. But uh, yeah, just a couple of a couple of visitors this week. Dante Thornton's a guy, uh, 2021 receiver, and when you're headlining a group with a 2021 receiver, as good as he is and as good as he can be, there's just not a lot of guys coming in this week. Um, so you know, we, we kind of broke down on the site earlier this week that uh, you know Penn State's targets commits in the 2019 class had a, had a good start to their season. Of course, you know guys are still getting into their uh, their senior seasons and even junior seasons as you track them last week. So a couple of really good performances by uh, future Nittany Lions and potential future Nittany Lions. And by the way, if, if folks are looking for a little appetizer uh, before this Penn State kickoff, we got uh, Michael Johnson Jr. going to be on national TV. Penn State quarterback commit. Uh, he's playing with his uh, team out of Eugene, Oregon, a Friday night ESPNU. I think that's like a 9, 10 o'clock start. So an opportunity for regardless of where you live, if you have that channel, you can watch a future Penn State quarterback and Johnson Jr. Though I think you did have this week not a report about a visit um, for this game, but Julian Fleming definitely going to be back on campus this season. And I think anytime you get him back on campus – that's a big deal. Yeah, anytime you can talk about Julian Fleming for us is a big deal. I mean, this is a top receiver in the country in the 2020 class, of course, right up the road at Southern Columbia. He'll be back for the whiteout. Um, he's got a couple other visits scheduled as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, anytime you can get him back on campus, of course, the Penn State, uh, excuse me, the crystal ball is all Penn State right now. But, you know, these teams, uh, you know, Georgia's on a roll. USC is always intriguing. Ohio State is always tough to beat. So, I mean, you're, you're absolutely competing with the best of the best here so it's going to be one of those uh yardstick recruitments in terms of james franklin and what he can do can he keep this kid in his backyard i like penn state right now but i mean that's one of those things that you, you never know how these guys are going to see these games uh virginia tech's in the mix as well notre dame offered alabama of course josh gaddis is in there but they did not make his original top six which he then went back on because recruiting is so much fun um but now i mean julian fleming is a guy that you just have to keep going back to if you're penn state i mean he's not you know brian brezzi's the the top prospect in the 2020 class, number one by 24-7 sports, but I still think Julian Fleming is the top priority for the staff. Not, I mean, you're splitting hairs right there, no doubt about it, but I think Julian Fleming is the top priority, and he has to be the top priority. Yeah, and he started a season now with, with another 100-yard game. I think that he's already over a dozen 100-yard games, and he's only one game into his junior year of high school. He's very special talent. And by the way, I think you'll probably be able to muster up an, enough content to put together a slideshow for that whiteout game yeah. with the recruiting visits. That, and that's the thing about, I, you know, I'm asking kids if they're coming up this weekend or not. And, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where opening weekend of the season is kind of hit and miss. A 3.30 kick I thought would help a little bit. It didn't. Um, but uh, it, it's one of those things where guys are just waiting on that whiteout game. And there's, you know, there's probably 30 kids that have told me they're coming to the whiteout game already. And it's just the the list is going to be insane. Um, that will be something we start tracking here in a couple of weeks. But I mean, the, the opportunity is there. Obviously, the, the, the Ohio State factor, the whiteout factor and everything like that is big. But you look at the schedule, I think it sits up, sets up pretty well after you get past Kent State. You've got Ohio State and then you've got two weeks later. I mean, you've got Penn State goes on and off uh, every other week as a home game basically with that buy in there so you've got ohio state you got michigan state then you're away then you're home then you're away then you're home then you're home um so i i think that 
you know the the schedule sets up pretty nicely for Penn State not only to have uh, you know official visitors but just to to flood those sidelines every weekend, which has already paid dividends for them in in the previous classes. Yeah, and Penn State fans are getting their money's worth this year because the home schedule is pretty it's special. Pretty I mean, there's good, some yeah. serious marquee matchups. That looking at the Wisconsin one late in the season, they got a lot to do to get to that point. But there's going to be playoff atmosphere vibes, kind of. You know, if Penn State can get on a roll here early in the season, could set up some really special matchups. And hey, if you got to be selective as a recruit and, and you can't be two places at once, you're probably going to lean towards that game that's a little bit more exciting, has the promise for you to be. Um, somewhere special, and, and we saw that last year with Michigan and, and Penn State and the kind of recruiting uh, showing that that was. Fully expect the Ohio State matchup in a few weeks to, to rival that list. Yeah, they're they're leaning toward that one pretty heavy right now. Uh, David Bell, another uh, Penn State target with a big game last week, had a phenomenal uh, touchdown play to win uh, his game. Uh, that was on ESPNU or ESPN2 or something like that. Um, you know, Penn State continues to prioritize wide receivers. Bell, I think, is probably the top guy when you're, when you're talking about talent, when you're talking about a guy that's realistically has Penn State in the mix. And another guy that popped up on the radar this week, Jalen Curry, Curry out of Texas. Um, you know, it's one of the most productive guys out of the Lone Star State. Uh, I think we have him at 24-7 Sports as a high three-star. He's a four-star composite guy. But, hey, Penn State, we'd be behind David Corley and Jaywan Sider. Penn State's really making a move there. Jalen Curry, I wrote up a little piece on, on our site when they first offered him, and some people were like, whoa, where did this offer come from? This kid caught 26 passes in a single game last October, set an all-time Texas high school record, and I thought it was really interesting speaking, speaking with Michael Johnson Jr., who I mentioned a few moments ago is a Penn State quarterback commit. That was one of the two, two names that he said he's especially targeting is Jalen Curry, and you're going to pull a kid out of the Houston area with that kind of pedigree? Good luck, but... Penn State clearly feels like it's worth making that push. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, they, they've got some more space. I said that last week on the podcast to work with. So anytime you can you can add speed, athleticism, production, all that kind of stuff, then uh, you know that that's certainly a good thing. There's certainly more targets out there than there are spots, which is obviously the way that you want to go. Um, that should be about it. I uh, didn't do a mailbag this week because I'm stupid and forgot to think about that. Um, so next week, hopefully, we bring back the mailbag. Next week, we will record on Monday and have it out Tuesday due to the holiday. And I have a fantasy football draft on Sunday, which I'm not going to be in podcast form for. So I think uh, we will be back next Tuesday. Going to get into the format a little bit where we started like we had last year. We had the Monday podcast and then the, the Friday pregame podcast. So then we're going to get back into a rhythm, um, get back into the podcast that you know and love. And I, I hope that everybody can continue to listen to us, follow us on iTunes, rate us on iTunes, all that kind of stuff. But hey, man, show number two. How you feeling? Feeling pretty good. I, I feel like we, we're going to leave this on the wrong footing if we don't at least give a little bit of a prediction here, Sean. Oh, I think, I, I'm think sorry. I completely forgot, forgot about the game. We're going to get some angry comments. Um, so I, I will let you go first. All right. I'm going to go. I think uh, my prediction on the site, uh, Penn State 42, App State 16. I, I like Penn State's ability to score. I think they can get outside and have some hit some big plays. Um, by the way, it's time to, to, to sort of uh, you know build up our App State site. Uh, they wrote a phenomenal preview, and I'm going to tweet it out probably Friday 
Saturday morning. Really, 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 really good. good. Not just on App State, but also on Penn State as well. I think Penn State's got big play potential against this defense, and they they had a stat in there where I think App State was was giving up an average. The, they've given up eighteen touchdowns against Power Five schools in the last couple of years with like a twenty four yard or twenty five yard per touchdown average. So I thought that was pretty interesting. I think Penn State uh, will go out; they'll handle their business. Um, you know, I like Miles Sanders to to have a pretty good game. Really interested to see this offensive line. I like Sharif Miller on defense. I'm, I'm going 38 to 14 Penn State. I'm really tempted to push that total into the 40s for the Nittany Lions. I just, again, think that we're going to see a surgical Trace McSorley. You talk about long-distance touchdowns. Wouldn't be surprised if he connects uh, long-distance with maybe K.J. Hamler, Tompkins. We'll see what happens there. Uh, I've mentioned it before. The guys I'll be watching closely, Ricky Slade, Micah Parsons, Luketta. Mustafer, I ultimately anticipate we'll see two guys on the offensive end prove that they're going to be a part of this rotation on offense and be main factors. Slade might be one of them. Dotson might be one of them. Friermuth could be. A lot of possibilities with these freshmen, but I think Penn State ultimately uh, wins this one by more than three touchdowns. And I think Penn State fans happy to hear that one. I think the spread, um, the last I saw, 23.5 or something like that. Um, so that'll be interesting when we get into legalized gambling and, and things of that nature. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Penn State should be okay, should avoid the, the 2007 Michigan upset, but don't forget it because you can't forget that upset. Thanks for joining us on the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Sean Fitz. That was Tyler Donahue. Uh, stay tuned to the site all weekend long. We've got complete App State coverage as well as whatever else may pop up. Thank you for joining us on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Mm-hmm.